Bangor Worldwide has been promoting and supporting World Mission for over 85 years. Our podcasts are free of charge. You can find out more about us at www.worldwidemission.org. We hope you enjoy this talk. Good evening, everyone. I feel so privileged this evening to have the opportunity to share a little bit of our lives with you. And as David has already said, we've been with Mission Africa for 25 years. This year is a very special year because it's actually 125 years since Samuel Bill left East Belfast and went to Nigeria and landed at the mouth of the Kwaibu River. And the Kwaibu Mission and Kwaibu Fellowship and Kwaibu Church grew out of all of that. And this year is our big celebration for 125. And we want to invite you to our party. We're having a celebration in Carmoney Presbyterian Church uh, on the 29th of September. And George Berber is coming to speak. And Alistair will be helping us then with the, the worship. And we would like to invite you all to come and join us and celebrate God's faithfulness to Mission Africa, Kwaibu Fellowship for all those years. You probably know our mission doesn't just work in Nigeria now, but also in Chad and Burkina Faso, and sends short-term teams to Kenya. We do various things, evangelism and church planting, and in Nigeria, specifically amongst the Fulani people, and you'll hear a bit more about that in a few moments. We also do what we call church strengthening, theological education and literature ministry, and again, Sid will tell you more about that. But also the mission is involved in what I would like to call compassionate ministries. And that includes medical, HIV, AIDS, widows, orphans, street children, recently some peace and reconciliation work, working with prostitutes, all of these things that, that encompass sharing Christ with those who are really needy. So it's my privilege over the years to have been involved in HIV AIDS ministry in Nigeria. Nigeria is a massive country. 160 plus million people, hundreds of different tribes and languages, approximately 50% of people would claim to be Christian, 40% perhaps Muslim, and about 10% who would still be Africa traditional religion. So it's a massive country with many needs. 50% of Nigerians are under 15 years of age, so it's a very young country. Children are everywhere. Everywhere you look, there's children full of life. And just like children here, they have their own hopes and dreams and aspirations of what they want to do with their lives. But often those dreams are shattered by poverty, by AIDS, by religious violence, and even by being accused of being witches. That is the reality on the ground. 1996, um, Living on a theological college compound, supervising a dispensary, I began to realize that people round about me were dying from AIDS. And in 1996 in Nigeria, there was very little talk about AIDS. It was like it hadn't come yet to West Africa. But thankfully, um, God prompted my heart to respond. And over the years, Mission Africa has realized that HIV AIDS is not just a problem but it's a huge and wonderful op opportunity to share the gospel with people who are needing and know, need to know the truth and the power of the gospel. So let me tell you a little bit about the challenge of AIDS. I was back in Nigeria last week and I found out that the infection rate in the city of Jos, where we've been living, is 17% and that really shocked me. 600 adults will die from AIDS today in Nigeria. 
and a thousand more will become infected with HIV. So we're not winning the battle yet. By the end of today, 200 children will be infected with HIV that they got from their mothers. Billy and Linda Abwa head up the HIV AIDS work of Mission Africa in Kogi State under an organization within Kwaibu Church called the Advanced Action Against AIDS. And they do a great job at that ministry. And they have brought in some other people, some new missionaries who've gone out to help them. They're involved in HIV AIDS counseling and testing and medical care in child sponsorship for children who are orphaned by AIDS or children who are just made vulnerable because of HIV AIDS in the family. They also are involved in setting up income generation projects to help poor families to provide for themselves. So in Kogi State, Mission Africa staff are involved in all of these areas, providing direct medical care, providing help at HIV clinics in a community center, teaching life skills to young people, which is very, very valuable, and also working at the church hospital there, Holly Memorial Hospital. Richard and Laura Morrison from Bally Money have recently joined that advanced team. Uh, Paul and Leslie Ann McCauley are there working, from, working at the Holly Memorial Hospital and they're just newly gone to Nigeria and we're so delighted with these young families that have caught the vision of what can be done. So Mission Africa, as I said, is involved in some other compassionate ministries and Charles and Ruth Beatty live in Joss and recently Ruth has become involved in an organization called BRIC was building um, reconciliation in the city center, in the city center of Joss. And Ricky and Angie also live in Joss, and Angie is working with prostitutes in a ministry called Grace Garden. So you can see there's a whole variety of compassionate ministries. And Lindsay Bell from Carmoney works at a school for um, special needs children, and she does some speech therapy with them. So there's lots of gifts that can be used on the mission field and Mission Africa is using many of those gifts. But we also care for many families who are infected and affected by AIDS. And sometimes people say to me, you know, how can you really share the gospel with somebody whose life has been totally destroyed by AIDS, who are suffering stigma and discrimination? And you know, I, ask, I usually ask, answer them by saying, how can I not share the gospel with somebody whose life has been wrecked by HIV and AIDS? because the gospel brings hope, it brings new life, it brings a hope even of eternity for those who are hungry and stigmatized and living with AIDS. I want to just finish by telling you a story of a good friend of mine, her name is Abigail. And Abigail is a widow with eight children to care for and her husband infected her with HIV before he died. Abigail lives in Joss. Abigail's family and community found out that she had HIV. And due to lack of understanding of HIV, they decided they would stay away from her and she very much suffered on her own. The way that she had kept her family together after her husband died was she made bean cakes and sold them at the side of the road. But because the word spread in the community that the kose that she was making could be infected, that people no longer bought the kose or bean cakes, and she, her money finished. And the first day I met Abigail when she came to Spring of Life, she had actually met someone on the road who had told her about the ministry at Evangel Hospital in Joss, where Spring of Life is. And she came, and she told me, I'll never forget the day of tears running down her cheeks, and she told me how morning and evening, she and the children would get down and pray that God would give them food 
but they had not eaten any food for two days. I asked her how she got the children to go to sleep, and she said, I give them large amounts of water to drink, and then their stomachs feel very full. But anyway, we were able to help her that day, and it's the family that we've had ongoing contact with. Wakra is the only one of her children who's HIV positive. And because many people still see HIV as something that is done to them by somebody through witchcraft or a curse, many people give Wakra a very hard time within his community. At times they called him a witch, they give him lots of different nicknames, and sometimes he would come to the clinic and he would say, Auntie, I am praying that God will give me a new house where nobody knows I have AIDS. I used to think, well, yes, that's a good prayer, but not really think about it too much. Now, Walker is one of the privileged children in Nigeria. Only 7% of the HIV-positive children who need drugs actually have access to them. Walker is on antiretroviral drugs. But let me tell you what happened to Abigail's family. It was a bad day. There had been an election in Joss the day before. There was a lot of political tension. And early in the morning, she was out cleaning her teeth. She saw a mob coming toward her. And they came closer and closer. And she got the children out of their beds, just in the clothes they were wearing. She ran. The mob was, was headed by a man called Ahmed, who was actually a neighbor that she'd greeted many times and she realized was a Muslim. They attacked her home and they ran for their lives. Looking back, they could see that their home was being destroyed and set on fire. So this already struggling family, because of HIV AIDS, because of being a widow with eight children, this already struggling family lost every material thing that they owned. They ran to the mission hospital. They stayed there for some time, some days. Curfew was happened in Joss and we couldn't see her, but eventually I got together with her and we went back to have a look at her house. And these were just the plates in the middle of her house and everything was totally destroyed. And the family were very, very shocked and very sad. But to me, Abigail is one of my heroes of faith. What happened a few days later was that Ahmed came looking for her. And he came and bowed down in front of her and got down on his knees and said to her, Abigail, I should never have done what I did. I ask you to forgive me. And Abigail just said, I forgive you. God is the defender of widows and orphans. I wrote this down so I'd remember it. He is the husband to the widow. God has forgiven me my sin, and he expects me to forgive others. Isn't she a hero of faith? That was Abigail. And over the next three months, through many generous donors, um, we were able to buy this little house and relocate Abigail and her family. A latrine was dug. We built a kitchen onto the end of the house. The pastor was called. We dedicated the house to God before anybody was allowed to move in. We helped the family move in. And this is a picture of Abigail on that happy day. And three of her boys, Walker is the one in the middle. What do you think Walker said that day? God, give me a new house. Auntie, God, give me a new house. And this auntie had forgotten even that he had said, asked God to do that. God give me a new house. And up to today, I, I saw them last week and it was such a joy to visit them. Though actually Abigail has a broken leg at the moment. But it was such a joy to see them in their house. Up to today, Abigail visits other parents who have children living with AIDS. Like Yang here that you see. 
and she shares Christ with them, makes sure they're taking their medicines, makes sure that they have food with their medicines. And she actually keeps her family together by selling water out of a big water tank, especially in the dry season. She makes money that way. Recently, one of her children, somebody tried to sex traffic her to Europe. Can you imagine that? Here in Belfast, we have brothels with Nigerian girls in them. And my dear friend Abigail and her beautiful daughters in Joss were targeted by sex traffickers. We need to pray against that. If you want to know anything more, go to the Belfast Abolition Collective and see what you can do about that issue. These are two of my dear friends who have AIDS. On Bullis's shirt, it says, know your status, break the silence, fight stigma. On the back of his shirt, it says, in Christ, there is no difference between positive and negative. And that is the gospel. Whether you're HIV positive or negative, in Christ, there is no difference. And my biggest joy has been sharing Christ with people who are rejected and stigmatized and who, for whom life can be very, very difficult and share the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ with them. If you want to learn more about AIDS, this book is available on the Mission Africa book stand if you want to see it. The church in Nigeria has got so much to teach us about how to respond to these issues. They are so adaptable, they're so flexible. Whenever the missionaries aren't, they're so full of hospitality. There's, there's great resilience. Sometimes we call it poverty, but actually it's really resilience. And there's so many ways that they can show us the grace of Christ in their lives. And I'm so grateful for that over the years that we've learned from them. But there's so much more work to be done in Nigeria and Chad and Burkina Faso. There are many people who still do not know the gospel. Many people for whom Jesus Christ, they may not even have heard the word Jesus Christ. Back in 1974, I sat up there in this convention. I was 21 years of age. Now you know what age I am. And George Berber was the speaker. And he asked that evening, is there any young person here who's willing to say, I will go if God calls me to overseas cross-cultural mission? And I stood up there and said, I'm willing to go. And I never regret that decision. I'm so thankful to God. You know, Jesus' last command was not be willing to go. You know that? Jesus' last command was to go and make disciples of all nations. So I'm just challenging you. You may say in your heart you're willing, but pursue that call with God and ask God what he has for you. There are so many opportunities out there. Don't be stubborn. Don't get your priorities back to front. In Northern Ireland, it's very easy to get your priorities back to front. Oswald Smith said this, no one has the right to hear the gospel twice where there remains someone who's never even heard it once. What more does God want you to do? Don't waste the rest of your life, no matter what age you are. Ask God tonight what he wants you to do in mission. Thank you. I'm also glad to be here, delighted to have the opportunity, privilege, thanks for the committee, and uh, glad to be. Uh, David Leach reminded me the last time I spoke here at Bangor, uh, the first words I said was, it's good to be among people who are as mad about mission as I am, and it is good to be among people who love the Lord and love his cause around the world, and quite a few people here who love Nigeria as we do, and love Africa. Several of you, quite a few of you, have served in Africa and still maintain that passion and that concern, that burden. And Mission Africa, as a mission, is uh, 
a young mission still, 125 years old, but getting younger and more colourful. And we are encouraged to see uh, we sent out three young families. Jean mentioned some of them earlier. And we are just delighted um, to, to be able to see missionaries going out, people sending them, people willing to go. You might ask, do we still need missionaries? Uh, and isn't it the aim of a missionary to work themselves out of a job? Maybe after 25 years, should we not have said, right, we've done it, we've handed over, and that's it? Uh, well, it's not quite as simple as that. In one sense, yes, we are there to train others and enable and equip and encourage others in God's service. But I believe it's more biblical to uh, multiply ourselves, to get others alongside us in the work and taking on the work and taking it forward with us. Uh, the Apostle Paul, whenever he looked around and saw the work of God progressing, he didn't say, well, I can just put my feet up now. He was looking out for other areas where Christ was not known and where the church needed strengthening. And that's where he was writing letters and visiting and encouraging. And that's why we have the book of Romans and other epistles in the New Testament. So their work is still there. There is still a lot to be done. And as we look at Nigeria uh, today, we see still tremendous challenges for missionaries to still come and help in Nigeria and in other African countries and other places in the world. There's unreached tribes. Jean has mentioned the Fulani. I'll mention them more in a moment. There's young people. We sometimes say every new generation is another unreached people group. And certainly many young people and students uh, need to be reached with the gospel. There's lives that have been destroyed through drugs, alcohol, HIV and AIDS. There's the challenge of the peace, uh, fighting for peace and reconciliation. There's the challenge of the internet and the digital revolution. Many new challenges, as well as some of the old challenges of underdevelopment, lack of resources, lack of amenities. And of course, the church, like us here, is always in need of teaching and revival. So we are, we are needed, we are welcomed. How good it is, how good it is to have Ben here, how good it is to have Nigerian colleagues, you've heard about Abigail, I'll tell you about a few more, uh, who we, we delight to call our friends and we delight to work with and alongside. This is the college where I work um, for 20, 20 years, teaching at Theological College of Northern Nigeria. Ben Kwashi is one of our graduates. He got through it before I did, uh, before we arrived there. But, um, but we are thankful for people like him going on uh, serving the Lord. And this is where we were able to not only teach, but to develop the literature work and for Gene to get involved in, in uh, health ministry there at TCNN, which led into the AIDS ministry later. Uh, let me tell you about another uh, good friend of ours in Nigeria. And of course, to a teacher, it's always a delight to see our students going on well with the Lord. Jacob Moses, wish we could bring him here. We tried to get a visa for him a couple of years ago. It didn't work, but we hope to get him someday. And he's a very faithful uh, servant of God, leading the Bassa Church, Kwaibu Church, UEC, it's called United Evangelical Church now, near Abuja, the capital in the middle of Nigeria. And Mission Africa is partnering with him we have a BASA project. Some of the elements of that we'll tell you about in a moment. This is where he ministers, the middle of Nigeria, central Nigeria. 
And uh, Jacob has always been concerned to bring on other young pastors. And of course, every time I would visit, I would come with books and he was all, they were always eager to get books. And uh, he started a Bible college, little Bible school, just at an initial level, but growing, struggling, sometimes with broken down buildings. This, the rains damaged this building. We've been able to help them with structures. We've been able to help with books, visiting lecturers. We've been able to send some of their pastors to another of our Bible colleges where several of our colleagues, the Akanams and the Mortensons are teaching at the Peter Achimugu College of Theology in Ankpa in Kogi State. So with these helps, with help for evangelism, with vehicles and motorbikes, uh, we've been able to support the work. And we're delighted that they share a vision with us to reach others, not just to reach their own people who are certainly needy, but to reach other tribes around them, and particularly the unreached Fulani tribe. This is a massive tribe, not only in Nigeria, but across West Africa, some 30 million, 30 million people. That's, you know, huge. That's bigger than many nations. Uh, and yet there are half of them within Nigeria, half outside Nigeria, uh, and largely unreached, largely Muslim, but responsive living in very simple ways, on the, on the move with their cattle, but eager to get their children educated, eager to find health, to get medicines for their children, to get medicine for their cattle. One of our hopes is to renovate this clinic uh, with Jacob in his area. It will serve the Basa people and other tribes, as, including the Fulani. And Ricky has been going down, Ricky Fitzsimmons, from uh, living in Joss, going down to this area to look at how to renovate. These are the plans we have on the ground, funds permitting to get a building, to get that clinic renovated, to maybe get a veterinary clinic there, to get a school, to get uh, missionaries who would be serving there, reaching out to the Fulani. The Fulani are coming to Christ. This is the amazing thing. We hear all the negatives. We hear the bad things that are happening. We hear what the Muslims are doing to the Christians. And it's true, and it's serious, and it's it's heartbreaking. But the other side of the picture is that Muslims are coming to Christ. And that's a wonderful thing. Even a chief recently has given his life to Christ. And so we're, we're praying. Uh, in April, I was out visiting these young Muslims, four young Muslim men. One of them has actually had his own wife taken away from him by his family. They've all had to uh, be disowned by their parents, their cattle taken away from them but they are refusing to go back because they found Christ and they find that in Christ they have something worth living for, even worth dying for. So these are the young people that we are, we are seeing the church growing and uh, new things are happening. Jean has told you a huge nation. Uh, look at the growth in 150 years. Now from zero to 51% of the population, about 80 million. Christians, at least nominally in Nigeria. What, a, what an amazing work of God. But certainly the church needs to be strengthened. The Apostle Paul said to Timothy, and I always think of the, the relay. I know the GB team's not too good at, at handing on the baton, but I see this as a handing on the baton uh, in the relay from the Apostle Paul to Timothy, from Timothy to reliable men, from the reliable men to others. He said to Timothy, the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, that precious gospel, that gospel that is the power of God to salvation, as we heard on Saturday night, entrust 
to reliable men who will also be qualified to teach others. So this is the challenge of theological education and of books. And it's in the book area that I've been particularly involved in later years after teaching, after being frustrated and not having books and meeting other teachers who saw the need of books. The Bible colleges are crying out for books. The lecturers need books. The students need books. Pastors going into the ministry, preachers need books. John Stott, the late John Stott, put it very simply that if pastors, pastors can't preach if they don't study, and they can't study if they don't have books. And that's why he, Langham, literature is part of what we're doing, uh, getting books out to help pastors, equip them for ministry. But when we arrived in Nigeria, we found that many were even going through Bible colleges only with a worn Bible, very little to, to help them for their future ministry. Uh, we found Bible colleges with empty shelves or old books, few old books, uh, needing renewal, needing something fresh. We found in the few bookshops there were, we found books being sold that were teaching a false gospel, the gospel of wealth, health and wealth, a prosperity gospel, a half gospel, an untruth, in fact. And so here's the problem, lack of books, lack of good teaching, lack of true teaching, uh, false teaching instead. So what's the answer? The Lord helped us through the support of Mission Africa and other missions too. We started ACTS, Africa Christian Textbooks, at TCNN, and it has continued to grow. Uh, the other good friend I'd love to, to get here to Northern Ireland someday is my friend Luca Vandy, and I'm in touch with Luca sometimes two or three times a day because he is just, we're just together. He is the general manager of ACTS. He was our first worker. Now we have over 40 staff in Nigeria managing the ACTS bookshop uh, in Joss and the 11 branches going out from that. Quite a staff there. The headquarters is near Joss, Bukuru, just across the road from TCNN, the Theological College. And from there, we are now selling something like 30,000 pounds worth of books every month. Quite amazing that this is going on. We thank God that Ben Koshi was with us at the de dedication. And uh, there's a little dialogue goes on sometimes with the general manager, because on the, I remember still that Ben said that uh, when you hand over a nice building like this to a Nigerian, sometimes it will go to rack and ruin. Well, our general manager took that challenge up, and uh, thank God that it's still serving, and, and the prayers are being answered. And from there, we're distributing. We're thankful to our friends of Revival Movement, Every Home Crusade here in Northern Ireland, shipping out books from the UK, as well as tracts, getting good literature into Nigeria. We also ship from the States. And it's always an answered prayer when they arrive and then to get the books out to the branches. It's quite a demand, quite a challenge. And I'm very grateful for the help of Campbell Hamilton, former colleague in Nigeria, now joined me again after many years' experience in Christian literature, both in Nigeria and here at home. Uh, Campbell is alongside me in ordering books and getting books out to Nigeria. Uh, so they're out of the warehouse, they go out to the different branches across Nigeria, and still the demand, still the questions come to us. We need a, a bookshop in our seminary. We need a bookshop in our city. Come and help us. And so there is that appetite, there is that hunger for good books in Nigeria, and also in Kenya. Uh, here we are at the 
uh, Nairobi Evangelical Graduate School of Theology, another opportunity for feeding hungry minds and hearts for good books. And so uh, you might ask, how has the situation changed uh, in the past 25 years? Are there new realities, new challenges? Certainly there are, and Ben will maybe touch on this more, I'm sure, in what he has to say. Uh, as we think of the rise of militant Islam, certainly Christians, we, and also Nigerian Christians, need to know our faith, and we also need to know Islam. We need to stand up for religious freedom, not just for ourselves, but for others. Religious freedom is under attack around the world and in Nigeria. Christians need to uh, also evangelize while the door is open. The opportunity is there. We must get out and evangelize. And as the church is growing, certainly we also uh, see challenges there because we partner together with our Nigerian brethren. We also give them a platform, enable them to speak out, to write and to speak for their own people and for us as well. And we are about to hear from, from a Nigerian. We need to hear what they have to say to us. But uh, they, their own people also need to hear, and ACTS and Mission Africa are involved in getting uh, and helping African writers. This is the exciting thing, that we are publishing African writers. We're helping get out the, the Africa Bible commentary written by 70 African scholars. And we've just undertaken now to translate this into the Hausa language for the 20 million strong Hausa-speaking church in northern Nigeria and beyond. Uh, books like Africa Christian Ethics, is a book on Islam, My Neighbor's Faith. These are written by Africans. Here are African writers. We had a workshop recently with the help of Langham. Uh, and they all want books. They want to write books. And as they write, they need editorial help. And I'm glad that Paul taught us here this evening. And he is alongside me also helping with editing books. Paul has 20 or 30 books in the pipeline at the moment, uh, needing editing, needing help, needing on the way to publication. So this is the exciting thing that we are partnering together with our Nigerian brethren, with other missions too, and with you. Here is a vision for the future, the Writers' Retreat Center. It is hard for people like Ben to get a minute. They're always under demand in Nigeria and out of Nigeria. And to get him to sit down and write Ben, it's hard, he'll tell you. And one of our vision is to have a place where they could come aside, have peace and quiet, editorial help, computers, books available, and write that book that their people need and get it out. We will be ready to help them. And we need you to also get alongside us, put a shoulder to the wheel, pray, give, and uh, use your gifts, your talents. I don't know what gift or talent you have, but maybe some of these uh, business management, marketing, editing, internet, e-publishing, and so on. These are some of the things, and we are looking for those who can come out short-term or long-term to help us to come alongside us. Now, I want you to say, God, I am ready, I am willing, and even I, I, I want to do it. God has already spoken. Jesus has said, come, take up your cross and follow me. And he has also said, go and make disciples of all nations. What are we going to do about it? Is everyone a missionary? Sometimes we hear that said. It's a way sometimes I think, uh, though there's a truth in it, in a sense we are all missionaries where God has placed us. But in another sense, it is a special calling. 
and a special privilege to be a missionary. That's why we have a missionary convention. It is a special calling. It is something, uh, a big challenge of cross-cultural mission. And certainly it's good to know your gifts and know what God is calling you to do right where you are now. Some gifts can be quietly and faithfully exercised without public recognition, without much fuss. Fine, get on with it. But some gifts need to be recognized by the body of Christ. Those who are called to be pastors, leaders, pastors, teachers, evangelists, youth leaders, elders, they need to be recognized. Otherwise, they can't do their job and the community can't get behind them. And the same is true of missionaries. They have to come out from the crowd. It's not easy to stand up and say, yes, I'm willing and I want to go. And you would say, who am I? Or who will support me? But if you don't offer yourself, you won't know if you are the one that God is calling. Every Christian is challenged to be involved. And uh, David mentioned this, I think, in his prayer. And it's a quote we've, we've, we've been holding on to from John Piper. It's very clear. It says you're either a goer or a sender or a disobedient Christian. Take your choice. Take your choice. And I don't think you want to be disobedient. Make yourself available. Um, I was going to say just the exhibition is fantastic. You've got to visit the exhibition. Don't go away tonight without seeing the exhibition. But there are people there who know missions, who know the mission field, who know the needs. Go and talk to them. We are available. The mission committee, the, the Bangor Worldwide Committee would love to talk to you. Your pastor, your, your mission representative, we'd love to talk to you. We'd love to talk to you about these things. Seek God's will for your life. Make yourself available. Either he wants you to go as a missionary, go to the ends of the earth with Jesus. Remember that others have done it before you, including Samuel Bill, all those years ago, and many others. They were willing to lay down their lives. Go as a missionary or serve as a sender of missionaries. Are you willing? Are you ready to make your talents and your time to pray and your money to give uh, for the, the advance of the gospel? Remember how the early Christians were prepared to sell what they had and bring it to the apostles for the work. One of our missionaries here, Sarah Chan, has talked about the challenge of opening our fridge for the gospel. We need to open our fridge, we need to open our homes, we need to open our checkbooks, and we need to be ready and say, Lord, what do you want me to do? Or else we're going to be disobedient. So thank you for listening. May God guide each of us. It's a great work, and we commend it to you in Jesus' name. Amen. We trust you've enjoyed this podcast. If you'd like to make a donation to support the work of Bangor Worldwide, please visit www.worldwidemission.org slash donate.